We have a new guest joining the podcast. Daniel reached out to me a few weeks ago and wanted to share his journey in overcoming his struggle with pornography. Um, like many people, Daniel has spent years trying many different approaches and programs to overcome his struggle with pornography. And he wanted to talk about those experiences and what he's learned. So some of the programs that he will talk about, I don't have any personal experience with. I don't know um, their general approaches or philosophies. Um, these will be Daniel's experiences with participating in those programs. And I think one thing I found is with any program, some are going to be helpful for some and maybe less helpful for others. Um, so this is not a general statement about the effectiveness of different programs, but really this is about Daniel's experience and his own journey. And then he also wanted to talk about the things that he's learned in overcoming pornography through participating in the Life After Pornography program. So I always really enjoy learning from people. I, I find that that personal experience is such a powerful teacher. So I hope that as you listen to Daniel's experiences, um, that you'll learn something about um, yourself through other people, maybe how universal some of these struggles might be, and that also that you can experience some hope that there truly is a life after pornography. If you're like me, you know your mind can be your best or your worst friend. Our mind is an amazing tool that can do incredible things, but our mind can also create problems out of nowhere. Sometimes our mind keeps recommending the same solutions to problems even when they aren't working. I see this pattern play out as individuals try to overcome their anxiety, depression, or even struggles with pornography, using approaches that make sense but aren't very helpful. This podcast will show you how real researchers and clinicians are changing the way we approach mental health and reveal helpful research-supported principles designed to help real people with real problems. My name is Dr. Cameron Staley, and welcome to the Life After Series Radio. Well, I'm really excited to have Daniel join me for this conversation. He reached out to me a few weeks ago and really wanted to share his journey and a lot of the things that he's learned in his efforts to overcome his struggle with pornography and just chatting with him for a few minutes he's tried a lot of things and learned a lot of lessons so i'm really excited to hear from his experiences and i really find that that each perspective is so valuable because each of our journeys are so unique so i'm excited to learn more from you daniel so why don't we start by just telling us a bit about yourself and maybe where your kind of struggle with pornography began. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Um, I uh, kind of all started um, kind of a, I don't think of a common thing, but uh, it was an airplane ride and I was looking through a SkyMall magazine and I came across a page of, um, you know, someone, it was an advertisement and um, I remember just feeling like this feeling of shock and just kind of flipping the page really quick. I'm like, oh, that's bad. I can't look at that. And then I remember I kept that magazine and I was curious. So I, I took it home and kind of kept it, ripped out that page and started like experimenting with masturbation. And that's kind of all where it started. And that was when I was eight years old. Wow. Um, so I basically, since I could be tempted, um, as we believe at age eight, you know, that age of accountability, where that's really where it started. And just knowing that I had that powerful, like experience of just temptation at such a young age, just kind of is a testament to me of how much the adversary is working on me, like how much he doesn't want me to, to help people or to help myself. Um, so that even motivates me more to, to help people. Um, and ever since then, I, it was kind of an off and on thing. Um, and as I got into my teenage years, it kind of became more intense, got an iPod. Of course, that comes internet access. Um, and then it was still kind of soft and then got more into hardcore as I got older. And um, finally, when I was 15, I decided, you know what, I've tried, I've tried to do this on my own and it's not working. And I, you know, when I was eight years old, I I knew that it was it was wrong, but I really didn't have any idea what I was getting into. Um, I just I didn't know. It was just and it was an experience. It was fun. It was um, like 
an emotional release in a lot of ways. And so as I kind of grew up, I, I, I got the understanding of this isn't something that's aligned with my values. This isn't something that I want to be doing. So I'm going to figure out how to do this on my own. After that didn't work, I'm like, okay. I kept hearing like, if you struggle with like certain things, you like might want to talk to your your bishop, your ecclesiastical leader. And I'm like, okay, I should probably do that. I should probably do that. And then finally one day, I was 15, remember I kind of called uh, an executive council with my parents <laughs> and uh, just sat on their bed and remember just opening up to them. And it was, it was a really emotional experience. And, um, but they were just so loving and accepting of me and just really validated me and my experience kind of asked good questions to kind of understand um, better what I was going through, specifically what I was going through. And they were really influential and helpful in my journey to healing through all of it. And after that, I set up an appointment to talk to my bishop, um, who at the time was actually my, my uncle, my technically my dad's cousin, but he, uh, he was also really helpful and just showing his love and hmm. um, just kind of, you know, saying like, you can, you can do this. Like, let's work on like decreasing frequency and duration intensity. Um, like, I'm going to help you with this. Like, let's get this, let's get through this kind of thing. And so that was super helpful. And that's, I feel like where I really started my healing process of like, uh, I was able to be open, share my story with someone. And from that point, I felt like I can do this. You know, I'm not alone in this anymore. Um, and so time goes on more. Um, I get into high school. Um, and it's still a problem, still trying to kind of sometimes do it on my own, sometimes like trying accountability. I eventually got into the uh, Sons of Helaman program which was helpful in a lot of ways, but I felt like even though I applied myself fully to the program, there was just something missing or maybe I wasn't doing it right. And because um, of several reasons, I decided to stop doing it, but there's so much good that I learned from that program as well. Um, and then time goes on more, I go out to college and I, each time I got a new Bishop, it was like the first thing I talked about, I'm like, okay, I have to open up to them about this. Like, uh, this is kind of my main struggle that I that I deal with. Um, so I got to let them know kind of thing. And so it, it, was, it was a little bit difficult, but I kind of got the hang of it um, as you do it more with practice. And um, many of them were, were very helpful and just loving. I, I think I lucked out on the, those experiences mm -hmm. well, um, as some have. I know others have had really poor experiences, unfortunately. And, you know, Ecclesiastical leaders, it's a hard, it's a difficult situation for them. You know, they're not trained in psychology or therapy. Um, and so they're just doing their best with what they have and they have their own problems and imperfections. But um, I remember I still kind of had in my mind this thought of, you know, this is something I'm going to deal with for the rest of my life. Um, partly from like stuff like Bishop told me, partly from something like, I've had therapists tell me in the past, like, this is something you're always going to struggle with. Like, and what I, I think that they, what they meant from that was sexual urges. That's something I'm always going to have in my life, something I'm going to experience in my life. But I realized um, after getting, after meeting with uh, Dr. Daniel Burgess, he helps me understand, like, this is not an addiction. This is more a compulsive behavior. Let's look at this from more research supported perspective. Let's not make the problem bigger than it has to be and devote our lives to it. Let's learn about living our life how we want to and um, overcoming this problem because we're living our values. And that really, that really opened up so much to me. I remember the first, the first appointment I had with Dr. Burgess, I just felt so much hope and just so much joy. And like this weight was lifted off my shoulders. I feel like finally I found like this thing might work. Like I've tried all these different things. I've tried, just reading my scriptures, white knuckling, I do it on my own, several different programs, addiction recovery program from the Church of Jesus Christ. I've tried so many things and just didn't didn't work for me. And I finally this this um, meeting with Dr. Burgess, it was like, maybe this one will work. Like I was excited. I was I had this hope again. And 
was different about that? Because you'd been working and right. really positive experience chatting with your folks and with church leaders. What felt different about meeting with Burgess that you felt more hopeful? So I think I think there's a lot of things you said that were actually shocking to me. I was like, whoa, like what? That's the thing. Like he's like, what if I told you it's not an addiction? I was like, what? Of course it's an addiction. Like I've struggled with this for so long. Like, how are you gonna tell me that? Like and so a lot of those things were shocking to me, but as he explained them, they just made sense. Um he talked a lot about how, you know, we're these sexual urges are natural. They're even divinely given um, to us. And we, we will learn how to, you know, to control those urges or to experience those urges and understand them rather than to suppress them or um, ex- like expand on them and kind of make them bigger than they are um, to kind of dwell on them. We can just experience them and that's okay. Like that's not mm-hmm. a sin when it's done correctly and with the right spirit. And so a lot of the things that he said that they were surprising to me. I was like, whoa, like it was completely new material to me. I was like, this is a different, different perspective that, you know, maybe this is the right way to look at it. Maybe this is a helpful way to look at it. And I, I think that was the big thing was it was so different. It wasn't like, oh, this is pretty similar to what I've tried before. It was completely different and kind of shocking in a lot of ways. And uh, I know I remember one of the things that that really helped um, is Dr. Burgess kind of um, borrowed a a skill from couples therapy, where if a couple is having a lot of arguments, what they do is uh, the therapist recommends that they schedule a time to argue. So the couple could be like really heated in the moment. They're like, okay, let's not talk about this right now. Let's let's talk about it. This is important to talk about, but let's talk about it later let's talk about it at five o'clock today let's argue at five o'clock and so uh when it comes time to five o'clock they're like oftentimes they're like well this is just silly why are we arguing let's just figure out the problem let's figure out a solution come together and the the application of that was okay so you have a sexual urge um let's schedule um and this is one of the things like decreasing decreasing frequency um was kind of like this thing of let's let's make progress you know and it's all about progress and so one of the things was decreasing frequency so he's like what's your goal like right now like where do you want to be and I kind of was like I want to well ultimately of course I want to overcome this like I don't want to I don't want my wife to worry about this I don't want to worry about this myself I don't want this to be something that controls my life um but the application of that was, okay, let's schedule a time to look at pornography and masturbate. I was like, okay, like I'm scheduling a time to do something I don't want to do. Like that's, I'm scheduling time right. to sin. Like, what that's, is this? That's such a different mindset from I'm trying to focus all my energy on not doing something. Now it's like, yeah, go ahead and put it on your planner. Right, really exactly. a different way to maybe navigate this struggle. Yeah, and I remember the first time I, I'm like, I did... I was, I waited. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this Thursday night or Friday night, wherever it was. Excuse me. And I remember, um, I remember it was came time for that. I had scheduled. I'm like, all right, finally, like all this pent up, um, emotions that I've been holding off on this. And I remember like going to my bathroom, locking the door. And I remember just feeling like, this is like my decision. I don't know if I really want to do this. Wow. Um, but because I had scheduled it, I'm like, well, oh, might as well do it. I scheduled it. <laughs> I'll stick with it. And uh, I remember it was the weirdest feeling because I felt in that moment while I was watching pornography and masturbating, I felt that the Lord is pleased with me. Wow. And that was such a unique experience because I've never felt that when I was viewing pornography and masturbating, I had never felt that the Lord is pleased with me in that moment. And the reason that I felt that the Lord is pleased with me wasn't because of what I was doing. It was because of the progress that I was making. It was because of the good heart that I had, the desire that I had to improve. Um, And that was such a powerful lesson to me. And I finally felt for first time in, 10 years or however long that I was in control again. I was the one making the decisions. It wasn't my body making the decisions for me. It wasn't my mind 
making the decisions or as we learned and left the passengers on the bus um, telling me to turn left I was the one choosing um, and even though like I chose to still like view pornography and masturbate it was my decision I was in control and that was so empowering to me for the first time in so long of feeling like I was in control again and that was a huge thing that helped me um, with Dr. Burgess and he ended up actually recommending me to um, the LAP program. And that's where, you know, I got involved and really started um, the next step of my healing process. I feel like with meeting with Dr. Burgess and with um, Dr. Staley, where when I was 15, I felt like I began my journey of healing. And when I opened up to my parents and to my bishop and then going into this, I feel like this is like the peak of like, all these things that I've learned and come together, I'm able to understand and really begin like true healing rather than um, just a beginning to the process. It's, it's a more of an end to the process or more of a, an active process in some ways. Yeah. Those are some powerful moments to, to recognize that, you know, this behavior that I've been struggling with that sometimes it feels like, Oh, it's outside of my control or just happening to have that moment where it's like, well, actually I'm, I'm the one choosing this and I can choose to view or not to view, but I'm back in that driver's seat again. And that you even felt yeah. confirmation where it's like, well, I'm making progress. This is where I want to go. And in that moment, the behavior wasn't any different, but internally right. things were starting to shift for you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That was, that was so powerful and so helpful to me. And I hope that that's something that, um, everyone can experience that feeling of feeling of progress, um, even if you don't believe in in a heavenly Father or whatever your belief. I hope you can feel that spirit of progress, a spirit of improvement, a spirit of being in control and making your own decisions. And if you are religious, that feeling of being the feeling of the Lord being pleased with you, the feeling of the Lord being pleased with your progress. Mm. That's such a powerful and empowering experience to know if the Lord loves me and he's pleased with me, it makes me want to do better. It makes me want to be a better person. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest problems with um, those who, who struggle with pornography is they feel that shame aspect of like, the Lord doesn't love me. He probably hates me because I struggle with this where wow. the opposite is true. Like he, he loves you. He's, he's pleased with you, especially as you make progress and no matter what, like his love is unconditional. Nothing you can do will make him love you less or love you more. He just loves you. He loves all of you. He loves your eternal now. He loves you in the pre-existence, you know, in this life. He loves you in the next life. He just loves you as you are and completely. And knowing that just gives me so much strength and so much hope, um, hope of salvation, you know, hope of just knowing because the Lord loves me, I want to be good. Um, and I want these things that he wants for me. And what a wonderful mindset where, you know, the love of God is not conditional on something I'm struggling with, but it, right. it's consistent and it's strong that, and he values my progress and is there to help. Um, yeah. That's such a beautiful way to, to think about that and feel that. And that for me, it allows me some space to breathe that as I learn and grow and make progress, that there's not a fear that, Oh my goodness, if I make a mistake, then it, it's kind of over. It's like, Nope. People are still rooting for you, still wanting you just to get that progress, keep learning, keep growing. Right. Yeah, I think uh, you bring up a point there as well of like that starting over aspect of like, if I mess up, everything's done. Like I have to start over. Um, the Lord probably is not pleased with me. He probably hates me or, you know, is just like disappointed. Um, changing that to, you know, that, that's something that I struggled with with the Sense of Human program and with many other programs where it's this idea of being sober for a certain amount of days um, or being sober for life kind of thing where it actually makes the problem a part of you because you identify yourself. Oh, I'm, this is my name. I struggle with this or I'm a recovering addict or I am an addict, but it's never, I'm healed. Like I'm here, I'm healed. You know, I'm, I'm healing. You're, the addict mentality is always there. And so that was something that was hard for me with that program where I felt like 
Um, any label that doesn't bring me back to Heavenly Father or to Christ ultimately can be destructive. Um, even if it's just like, oh, I'm a young single adult, even that to an extent is like, oh, I'm single. You know, I'm I, I'm young. I don't have experience. I'm single. I'm not married. I don't have that experience. Where, like, there are there are a lot of labels like being a saint or being a disciple that bring you back to Heavenly Father Jesus Christ. Being a son of God or daughter of God, those are the most powerful labels that um that i believe that are the labels we should give ourselves whereas those having those labels of i'm an addict or thinking um, i need accountability partner actually perpetuates the problem because it assumes that you have a problem it assumes that you need accountability for something it assumes that you're an addict or you're a recovering addict where in the law program um, you're able to get past that you're able to realize well, maybe I'm not an addict, maybe I'm not addicted. Even just having that thought of maybe not, you know, considering that possibility um, was so powerful to me. Um, and getting past that idea of, oh, I have to go a certain amount of days um, and then I'm worth it. Then the Lord loves me, you know, then I can be married, then I can have the life I want. Um, where ultimately that, ultimately that wasn't helpful because even counting the days was building pressure. Like there was just another shark in the tank of like, oh, there's this shark swimming around of, I have to make it to 100 days or I have to make it to 50 days or whatever. I remember I went, the longest I went in that program was 49 days. And then, of course, I didn't make it to 50. And I was so upset. <laughs> I was so disappointed. And um, it's just that mentality is ultimately not helpful. Um, it's partially helpful, helpful for some people. And, you know, there's different methods that work for, for each individual person. And, you know, even in lap, we say if this doesn't work for you like don't feel like you have to continue doing it like this is something that works for a lot of people and this can help you but ultimately you have to find what works for you yeah. um and i think that mentality is is so helpful um it's helped me a lot shifting that mindset wow you bring up so many principles so it sounds like in the life after pornography program one of the things that was helpful for you is to not focus as much on the thing you're trying to stop but really looking at like, whoa, I put a lot of pressure on myself and there's outside pressures. And the more I focus on counting days or view myself as an addict, that doesn't seem to help me. That actually seems to make it a bit more challenging. And so you started to turn inward more and more reflective on what seems to be helping versus what things are actually making this more difficult. Exactly. Yeah, and, and going back to the LAP program, the uh one of the things that was most helpful was the analogies um the first one of like i'm in a hole and i'm trying to get my way out of this holy this hole by using shovels like how's that going to help and if, of course my mind thinks about this i'm like well if i uh use the shovels as like little like little uh daggers in the wall i can climb up this hole or if i dig diagonally up then I can make it to the top. Of course, my mind goes there. <laughs> but uh, it was it was such a helpful analogy of like, I don't have the right tools with me right now. I'm not using the right tools to get out of this hole. And analogies like the drop the rope analogy of there's this monster and you're playing tug of war with a monster and between you two is is a endless pit and you're tugging so hard and you feel like the harder you tug, the the monster goes nowhere, but you come closer and closer to the pit and eventually you fall in. And so you come to the conclusion, well, I can keep, keep with this struggle and I can keep tugging and tugging and then I'll eventually fall in. Or, you know, I could just jump in the hole and get it over with kind of thing. And switching that mentality to it's about words. Like you can drop the rope. You don't have to fight this. Um, and, and that's not to say you shouldn't, work to progress and if this is something that that you don't want to do that doesn't align with your values it's not to say it's not something you should continue working on it's not something that you should continue to improve on but it's saying don't make this a bigger problem than it has to be don't make this a focus of your life don't make it this fight of you're always like when you're playing tug of war with this monster you don't have time to do anything else you know, you, you don't have your full capacity. Your 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 family's like, hey, you come to dinner. You're like, yeah, one second. I'm just 
pulling on this rope or like you're you're able to be there but you're not fully present because you're you're holding onto this rope behind your back and and understand you can drop the rope you don't have to live your life centered on on viewing pornography or whatever it may be you can drop the rope yeah and that was such a powerful analogy to me of really conceptualizing that so i'm a very visual and conceptual learner and so seeing that in my mind and understanding that was so powerful um and all these different analogies in the lab program were just so helpful for me um and just understanding my mind my urges understanding how to shift my focus was so was so helpful i think that's one of the major things i'm hearing as you talk is sounds like this struggle with with porn just took up so much space in your life it was like everything everything revolved around that and then just working with burgess and working with the acceptance and commitment therapy principles the struggle was more in perspective that it's maybe a coping strategy that you want to continue to work on and develop maybe better coping strategies to navigate those emotions but it freed up your space to focus on things you really cared about that this wasn't all-consuming like it had been for many many years of your life right yeah it's so true so what do you do with your time and energy now that you're not tugging on this i can't look at porn struggle what do you do with all this energy and space so actually as as i was um kind of during the uh, last few modules of the course of life after pornography, I, I started to feel um, more of a desire to help other people um, who struggle with pornography. And I've, I've had the opportunity to help a lot of friends who've also struggled with it, um, giving them tips from stuff that I've learned, um, just being there to love them and support them and let them know that I don't, I don't care what they struggle with. I just care about them. Like I'm just wow. here to love and support them and, that was like really empowering to them and um kind of having more of that um desire to help people i i've been doing more research and coming up with a program that's a combination of gospel principles that's centered on christ and that has research supported principles Mm -hmm. to support that and i've come with the name for it uh, act in Christ. And so it's acceptance and commitment therapy in Christ or acting in Christ. Um, and I'm so excited to continue to work on this, to study this, um, to develop this. Um, cause I think it's the perfect union of, um, the perfect union to, to address this problem of, you know, understanding the atonement of Jesus Christ, what that means for us. Um, and I actually have something to touch on the atonement later, but um, just kind of using all of the goodness, all of the supported principles in gospel and in science that will help address this problem. Mm. Um, so that's something I've been doing with my time. Um, my, my values, um, just like my top values were God's will, family, friendship, and then virtue, compassion, helpfulness. So with my values, I've been able to um, kind of assess when I feel like out of, like I feel out of um, balance, so I feel weird. I realize I kind of um, think to myself, is what I'm doing right now aligned with my values? Is that why I'm feeling this um, feeling? And a lot of times it has been that. It has been, you know, you're um, doing something instead of spending time like helping your sister with your homework with her homework or um just kind of like this feeling of like hardening my heart or kind of retreating in a way i'm like wait a second like whatever i'm doing right now is a lot less important than spending time with my sister helping her with her homework and i'm like i want to do that so i'm going to do that um and so it's just helped me to live the life i want and to um devote my time to things I care about rather than something that I'm trying to get rid of. Wow. That sounds like such a major shift because I think often when we're focused on solving a problem, we kind of go deeper and deeper within ourselves and kind of withdraw and shut down. And as you made that shift towards 
you know, if I'm not struggling with this anymore and, and focused on what I really care about, I mean, right away for you is relationships. It was, I want to help other people who may be going right. through a similar struggle. And I want them to know that they have worth, that I care about them. I want to help my sibling do better with school. I want to devote time to my relationships. And Daniel and I, we share the same kind of faith community background where I found so much benefit living my faith. And, and Jesus Christ has been such a central part in my life. And I love studying his teachings and his ministry. And that's brought so much direction in my life. But also, so has science and psychology that I think truth is truth. And I get a lot of truth and guidance from gospel principles. And I get a lot of truth and guidance from some scientific study and, and my training as a psychologist. And bringing those together, often in my mind, is the best of both worlds. Yeah, for sure. And um, I mentioned about the atonement. So something uh, that I heard Brian talk about in a podcast where he talked about he how he kind of had come to the conclusion that the atonement did apply to him. Mm -hmm. um, and I, that kind of hit me. I was like, like, does that apply to me? Like, have I felt that way? Um, and I kind of thought about it more and, um, cause I have always, I've always believed in the atonement. I've always, well, not always, but I've come to believe and I've come to know the power of the atonement, um, of all the powers of the atonement of Jesus Christ, of, um, the healing power, the enabling power, um, strengthening power, you know, it's such a helpful force. And I realized that I did know, I did believe, but the thing that happened is I had lost hope. Mm. Um, and this week I've been studying hope and I realized that's what, what it was that I hadn't lost my knowledge that it could work for me. I haven't lost my belief, but I had lost my hope. Um, I had lost my hope that this would work for me and making that connection was so helpful and, and helped me change a lot of still the mindsets that weren't helping me um, to overcome um, this problem or this experience that is something that I'm choosing to do that is not aligned with my values. Um, and so coming to that conclusion was so helpful of, of realizing I didn't have hope anymore. And that was, that was kind of hard for me to, to recognize because I was like, wow, like, I can't believe I had lost hope. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was something that I just wanted to touch on that I know Brian talked about, and I'm sure many who have started with this or experienced this have, have felt at some point in their process or are currently feeling that, you know, maybe this doesn't work for me. Maybe I'm just beyond help, but that's never true. And, you know, as we, come to Christ with our problems as we come to therapists, as we come to parents, um, we come to people who have the tools to help us that we can find help and hope and healing. Wow. Yeah, that is so well said. I just, just listening to your mindset and the things you've learned from all your experiences, it, it's so refreshing. And you seem like you've spent a lot of time reflecting on this journey. And, and I think when we've been focusing on trying to overcome a struggle for so long and, and dedicated to much time and energy like you have, it can be so demoralizing. And it's like, wow, I'm not getting anywhere. And as you step back and recognize like, I've, I've lost that hope. And as I've let go of that, got to solve this problem mentality to, you know, what are things that I really care about to have that hope return is remarkable. And what I also like, it wasn't like, I need to fix this struggle and then I can help my sister with her homework or then I can help other people in the struggle. It was more like, no, I can actually live all those values now as I'm still right. learning how to navigate this even better. I don't have to overcome this to have access to the atonement or these relationships. I can kind of do both. I can be human. I can learn and grow and I can live my values now, not in 20 years from now, and maybe I got this figured out that you can do this now. And I think that would just bring me so much hope that how you are today is okay. It's good. And that your efforts and your progress are what matters. I just, yeah, that message you're sharing, I just find it quite wonderful. Yeah, I 
I completely have felt that and um yeah I had a thought and then it left me um yeah I oh yes so I um I've kind of always had this as I started my healing process I've I've had this feeling of you know I want to help people I want to help people to to overcome this and what was holding me back was that feeling of you know I I don't want to help people if I haven't helped myself you know I don't want to tell people like this is what you should do with your degree when I don't have the degree like mm-hmm. I felt unqualified to help people if I still struggled with pornography and I've been able to overcome that of realizing I have so much to offer and so much to help um, other people, even if I am still struggling, um, even if I am, you know, in the midst of the battle and um, I shouldn't say the battle, but just in the midst of, you know, if I'm having a really hard week, I can still make someone's week better. I can still help them. Um, And I think knowing that and kind of pushing past that mentality of I can't help others until I'm perfect. You know, that's such a, such an interesting way of thinking that we have that just doesn't make sense. Um, because if that's the mentality everyone had, nobody would help anyone because none of us are perfect. So that's so true. And I, I think about a better focus is maybe balance. And I, I can't remember when I finished my PhD like a decade ago. And that wasn't when I climbed the mountain and reached the pinnacle. Right. Like if I waited until I had learned everything in psychology or had my own mental health and perfect balance. I would never be able to help anybody. And so instead for me, I'm a fellow journeyer where it's like, yeah, I'm still learning about myself and finding healthy ways to navigate emotions and focusing on improving relationships that as I'm helping people, that actually helps me quite a bit. And that's one thing I reflect on as a psychologist, one of the best maybe unintended, I don't know if I should say side effects or byproducts of helping other people is it helps me tremendously. You know, as I demonstrate more compassion and and understanding and empathy towards others, I find that it becomes even easier to extend those same kind of graces towards myself. Right. And we don't have to wait for someone to complete their journey to then tell us how to get there, that we can really journey together and help each other. And we have different paths and different things we struggle with. And just having somebody with you to say, hey, we're in this together, we're going through it, can make all the difference. And I'm glad that you've seen that so early in your life where I don't have to have it all figured out. It doesn't have to be flawless. I'm still a decent person and I can help people today. I think that just gives me so much hope for your future. Right. Yeah, that is so, so validating feeling like someone needs me or I'm able to help someone um, even in the midst of a struggle. Um, such a such a powerful feeling um to internalize that of you know i am needed i am um, able to help people yeah and that's that's one of my my top six values of, of helpfulness and that's one of my biggest fears um if not my biggest fear is not being able to help people when they're in like their highest need or like when they are in like um especially those who are close to me not having that fear of not being helpful, being helpless, being like, even if I'm there, I'm not able to help them in the way they need it. That hurts me so much because I just have so much love for people. And I have a, have a gift of empathy that I'm able not only to understand how people are feeling, but to feel it with them. And that has helped me so much, but there's sometimes where, you know, I, I can experience that empathy of feeling with someone, understanding what they're feeling but at the same time feeling helpless. Like I don't know how to help you, um, which can be so hard for me. Um, but really feeling that like I am helping this person, they appreciate my help. Um, I make them want to be a better person. That's so validating and so strengthening to both people in that situation. Wow. I love it. So I think what strikes me, Daniels, here we are, you're hanging out in your garage. You're talking about the struggle with porn. You're in your suit and tie. Yeah, <laughs> I just love this image of all these things coming together. And I wonder how this will be because, I mean, we're doing a podcast together and I imagine you might share this with some of your family and friends. Some people might reach out to you. How will this be to have your story shared 
kind of more publicly. Yeah, I, I think it will be, it will just expand my opportunity to help people. And I'm excited for that. And it will also help people to see, um, I think a lot of times we can get this idea of people that we look up to of, oh, they're perfect. They don't have any struggles. Um, I bet they don't even feel sad. <laughs> Where I, I know I felt that about some people. I, I just look at how they are in social situations or just like their disposition. And I feel like, can this person even feel sad? Like, is that even, are they able to do that? Um, where, you know, I, I hope that people will be able to see, you know, that I'm not perfect, that mm-hmm. I have my own struggles and that despite, or even with, I should use and, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I struggle with things and I try and I am a saint and I follow Jesus Christ and I, try to help people um yeah i think i think that it'll be helpful for others to see that and i think it will help expand my opportunity to help people so i'm excited for that wow that's incredible and i think just hearing you talk i i keep trying to notice and maybe i'm making assumptions here but often people that struggle with pornography or sexual concerns often have carried around a lot of shame where it's like, wow, I, I viewed myself as a horrible person. And, and you alluded to that. It's like, oh, I wonder if even God hates me. But as right. I hear you talk now, where it's like, hey, if sharing my story is going to help other people, I'm going to do it. I'm not sensing a whole lot of that shame anymore in you. And I'm, I'm curious if shame was something that kept you down for a while and, and maybe what your relationship to that emotion is like now. Yeah, that's a great question. I my mom has helped so much and she's basically a, a non-certified therapist and psychological expert <laughs> with experiences in her life and um, with helping my sister who's adopted and has a lot of um, mental emotional challenges and just being a support to her friends and you know to to me she she's developed a, an interest for psychology and understanding for people and she has that gift of empathy as well of feeling people um, and she helped me to understand the difference between guilt and shame. Mm. And for me, that was really powerful. Um, so the, the difference that she taught me was guilt is feeling like I did something bad, or I think more appropriately, I did something that is against my values. Mm-hmm. And the idea of shame is I am bad or I am against my values. I am this terrible, horrible thing. And you kind of put yourself in the the box of shame and you get down on yourself, beat yourself up, um, allow yourself to get into those inaccurate and healthy thinking patterns. And so that my relationship to the feelings of shame um, were really helpful in understanding the, the impact of guilt, because guilt is something that you know, you don't usually associate it with a positive feeling of guilt, but it's something that helps you recognize I did something that's not aligned with my values. Yep. Um, I did something that I don't want to do. I feel like maybe the Lord didn't want me to do it. Um, so it's something that you're able to recognize. I feel guilty. I feel like, you know, I shouldn't have stolen that. I feel like I shouldn't have um, said that. Um, when you recognize I did something that's against my values. Um, And that actually, as you recognize that, it helps you to see it. And when you see it, you can decide what to do about that. You can decide, you know, because I'm feeling this guilt, I want to do something about it. I want to, the next time I'm in that situation where I feel this heated emotion, I'm not going to say that harmful thing. I'm not going to say that sharp word or whatever it may be. And um, I think that you know, understanding the difference between guilt and shame has been helpful. And that's not to say I haven't felt shame. I felt like immense feelings of shame in my life of, I think, especially with struggling with pornography, um, of feeling like, you know, I, I am worthless. I, I've struggled with this. Like I've tried everything, nothing works. Um, feeling helpless and feeling that shame of like, um, even like with, trying to find help and accountability partners where or even like with my parents there's a point where um each night i would send them like a little green circle or like an x mark to signify if i had 
um, looked at pornography or not that day. And ultimately, even though that was like, oh, I'm being accountable, this is good. Um, ultimately, it, it was more a feeling of shame um, of where they would come to me and they wouldn't ask, like they would ask me how I'm doing, but in my mind, I just, it would always be, they're asking me this because, you know, I messed up today or I lost a battle today or whatever. Um, and I think, um, yeah, I think that's, that's been my relationship with, with shame. Understanding guilt has been helpful. Excuse me. And I think the idea of guilt is closely related with got this idea of godly sorrow. Um, I know that's something you touched on with Brian as well of, feeling like I need to, I need to feel more sorry. I need to feel more guilty for what I've done. Like, this is something that's bad. I don't want to do this. It's aligned with unaligned with my values. Um, and being able to recognize, um, maybe the Lord's perspective of, um, you know, this is something that's, that's serious maybe to the Lord. And, um, this is something that he does want you to, you know, to improve on or to better understand yourself and how to, um, how to use your agency in better ways, how to find healthier coping strategies and understanding that idea of guilt where godly sorrow is, is not shame. Hmm. Um, that's the adversary's plan, really. Hmm. Um, that's his tactic. That's not a tactic that the Lord uses. He doesn't use shame. Hmm. Um, he doesn't use, he just doesn't use it. And um, I think, Although I've experienced a lot of shame in my life, understanding that relationship between guilt and shame has been so helpful in understanding that process. That's wonderful. Yeah, you described that so well where guilt can be such an adaptive, helpful emotion to repair relationships and change our action, where shame seems to be so debilitating and just makes things so much more difficult. And so you've recognized that, hey, yeah, I can make mistakes, feeling guilty, that's okay. But feeling like I am worthless, it's not getting me to where I want to go. I think that's so well said. Yeah, and that going back to the idea of labels, um, that's where, you know, you feel like I am an addict. That's a shame thing where you label yourself with your struggle or you label yourself with the mistake you made or you label yourself with the thing you said that wasn't aligned with your values, um, that's where it becomes a harmful thing. Yeah. And something that in that moment, you, you don't even want to improve. You're like, why is it even worth it? Yeah. The hope is gone. Yeah. Right. Well, Daniel, you referenced a couple times some of the podcasts I've done with Brian. And I'm curious how it's been to hear Brian share his journey, his struggle, and how he's found benefit through mindfulness and ACT. How has that been just to hear somebody else talk about this journey and maybe find some things that have been similar with your own? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, it's been, it's been super helpful. I always love to hear others' experiences and journeys with pornography, you know, how, how they've gone about trying to deal with it or how they've understood it. Um, one of the things that was, that stood out to me so much in um, Sons of Helaman was there was, this meeting that they had with um, the generals, I think it was, or captains, trying to remember. But anyway, when you go a certain amount of days sober to say, like going amount of days without a lost battle, you become this um, certain rank. And there was this meeting with basically people who had gone, uh, I think, I want to say 10 weeks or something. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but anyway, um, it was a meeting between parents and those who had essentially graduated from the program. And I remember hearing one of them say, one of the guys say, um, how he's like, I, 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 you know, I was doing everything right in my life except for this. And when people would say, Oh, you're such a good kid. Like they would tell my mom, Oh, your kid is so good. Like, I wish my kids were like him. Like he would feel like terrible. He would feel like, he couldn't accept that um, that compliment because he didn't feel like he deserved it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's how I feel. I, like, I remember saying that out loud like to my mom when she's watching this meeting. I was like, that's how I feel. Like, that's how I feel. I felt like so validated by that statement and just being able to recognize that's how I feel. And so I think hearing people 
um, hearing what they have to say, hearing their experiences, you're able to feel that of that's how I feel. You know, I felt like that. Um, this is something that I've tried that hasn't worked also. You know, this is something, this is a way of thinking that didn't work for me. Or, wow, that's something that I, I never even thought of that's helpful for them. Maybe I'll, I'll try that. Maybe I'll try thinking that way or doing that thing. So that's, that's been helpful in, in listening to uh, the podcast with Brian of kind of seeing what's some things that, that he's done that have been helpful for him. What are some of the things that, that he's done that haven't been helpful, haven't worked? Um, and it's awesome to hear also how, how much he's, he's helping other people in these group settings and, um, having like firesides with youth, um, in the church. And it's so cool to, to hear that inspiring to, um, to be more brave and to want to help people and not be afraid. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. I'm glad that that's been the kind of the impact that's had on you. And I've so appreciated Brian reaching out, sharing his story, because that's such a vulnerable thing to do. And it's just so based on his values. And I'm having that same reaction with you where reaching out, you didn't need to do this. Nobody asked you to share your story. Nobody knocked on your door to say, hey, it's time to give back and help other people. You're just like, I want to make a difference. I want to help out. And I I feel like the things you've shared are going to resonate with many people, but particularly those in that LDS community. A lot of the things you shared and um, the way you shared it often feel really similar to many of the individuals I've worked with within that faith community. And I, I just think your experiences and mentality can have such an impact. So I thank you for taking so. the time to reach out and say, hey, I benefited from this Life After Pornography program. How can I help? And I think, wow, humanity would be in such a better place if we took that mindset where this helped me. How can I now make a difference and help other people? Right. So true. So I love it. So one of the things that we recently launched was our uh, private Facebook group, the Life After Series Community. Um, It's a pretty small group right now. We're hoping to really grow it. Um, But I don't even think I've mentioned it yet on a podcast. This will be the first one. Um, So in that group, I hope that we will have people sharing their stories just like Daniel did. And this is a group that people may benefit from that are struggling with a variety of different things. It isn't just a group for people struggling with pornography, um, but it's a group of people that wanna talk about mental health and wanna talk about research supported approaches like acceptance and commitment therapy and mindfulness and self-compassion. Cause I think there is power in sharing our struggles and supporting one another And as we say, hey, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm struggling with. Offering those helpful resources. And then as Daniel shared so many times, is being that beacon of hope. To say, even in the midst of this struggle, you're worth something. And I care about you. And I'm struggling too. And I just think that mentality can be so helpful. And I hope that that Life After Series Facebook community will be that place for people to share helpful resources and to support one another, regardless of the thing that we're struggling with. Um, So thanks, Daniel, so much for coming on here and sharing your experiences. And I'll give you the last word. Is there any final things you'd like to share with somebody who's struggling with porn, losing that hope? What would you want to tell that person? Yeah, thanks again for this opportunity. Uh, I reached out to Dr. Saley um, and just wanted to be a part of this podcast. Wanted to help people share my experience, share my 10,000 hours, so to speak, of struggling with this, trying to find solutions. Um, And so, yeah, I would say there is hope. Um, There's hope in Christ. There's hope in your support system. Um, There's hope in, in overcoming this. There's hope that, you know, it's different for everyone, but there is hope, you know, for not having to worry about it anymore. Um, where it's, you know, sometimes it's, you might slip up and that's okay. Um, but realizing, feeling that guilt of, oh, I did this and that's something that's not aligned with my values. Let me figure out why was I feeling this way? Um, what can I do that's healthier in response to these emotions that I'm having? Um, I think that having that hope has been so helpful for me. Um, and uh, the girl I've been dating has helped me a lot with that too, of, just validating me and, and, you know, just 
expressing her love and like her hope for me she's she's expressed you know she's goes to the same church and has a lot of the same um perspectives on a lot of things and she's helped me feel like i can't there's something i can't overcome like this is something that you know i don't have to struggle with for the rest of my life um that's something that's been so powerful for me just that hope um feeling that you know this is something i can't overcome and i would i would hope that um, I'd hope, <laughs> I would hope that this is something that, that everyone can feel to feel that love of, of the Lord, that he loves you how you are now. He loves you in your struggle. He loves you because of your struggle, because of your struggle. He's able to help you. You know, he's able to show forth his power, his, his hand in your life. And as you come into him, I know that you will feel that love and that you can share that love with others. And, I would, I would just share my hope. I would share my hope uh, for myself um, that I have for myself and share that hope in Christ with others. And I, I really feel that as we're able to feel that hope, that's when we're able to truly start to heal. You know, we're able to say, maybe I, I can do this. Uh, without that hope, it becomes despair, thinking there's something I'm, I always deal with. You know, my, my wife's I'm going to have problems with my marriage or I'm going to have a problem with my friends because I struggle with this, um, where you can change that into hope, where you're like, where you change that perspective, that mind shift of, of understanding, you know, this is something that I can't overcome. This is something that I can, you know, I can find healthier ways to manage my emotions. I can understand my emotions better and understand my sexual urges better to um, deal with them in healthy ways with the supportive principles of, of life after pornography, of, you know, the wave model, um, being willing to experience the difficult emotions, being aware of those emotions and where they might be coming from, living our, our value-centered life and, like, experience those emotions, not being afraid to, to experience those emotions, to share those emotions with others. Um, I think that, you know, that's just what I'd share. I'd share my hope um, in this program, in the LAP program, it's just been so helpful to me um, and it's so worth it. Um, so I would share that hope. Oh, it's wonderful. Those words are beautiful. And, and just listening to that, I think what strikes me is you've had many wonderful teachers in your life. And, you know, it's very clear that your faith is really important to you and that one of those teachers has been Jesus Christ. And you've learned so many precious truths there. But I also hear that you've had supportive parents that have been great teachers teaching you empathy and compassion and love. Same thing with church leaders in your life that have been there consistently. And now a supportive partner. It's like, yep, love you, care about you, we're working on this. And then I would even yeah. add that this struggle with pornography, even though it's been miserable and not something you would have <laughs> chosen, has been a teacher for you too. Definitely. You've learned a lot about yourself. And I think struggles can be that for us. It can be another type of education where we can learn about our mind works, how to manage emotions, to clarify our values, and really what's truly important to us. And I think what strikes me is you are an exceptional student where it's like, wow, I've got a lot to learn. And there's a lot of sources of people trying to teach me. It's time to learn. And you've learned so much from all these different people in your life, but also this struggle and from that, you've learned that, ah, hope is essential. And knowing that I have value is essential. And now let me go make a difference. And I don't have to be perfect. What wonderful lessons you've learned through all this. Thank you so much, Daniel, for sharing these words. And I can't wait for people to hear these, the things that you shared and this journey you've experienced. Um, I can't thank you enough. A wonderful to chat with you, Daniel. Thank you. Thanks again for the opportunity. I share my hope. Love it. Okay. Take care, Daniel. All right. Thank you. See ya. Hey, thanks for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe. I know you might be facing some issues in your life or know someone who is. Issues like anxiety, challenges in dealing with emotions, or other compulsive behaviors like unwanted pornography. And I know it's tough to talk to people about problems. Difficult to stare those obstacles down that we face in life and to really know how to deal with them. It's hard to know what to say and when to say it. And then when that moment you finally reach out to family and friends happens, sometimes it falls flat. I haven't found many programs teaching effective strategies like mindfulness, how to improve relationships, 
and ways to address unwanted pornography viewing through research supportive principles. So whether you simply want to help with a problem like unwanted pornography, difficulty responding to emotions, or just want to understand the world of someone struggling with porn a little better, head over to lifeafterpornography.com and get in on the next training. There you'll learn the exact same strategies individuals addicted to pornography used to transform their lives by implementing principles from evidence-based treatment shown effective in research for reducing unwanted pornography viewing. You'll learn the secrets, the myths, the enemies to recovery, and the LAP framework for dealing with unwanted porn viewing that we call WAVE. If that's something that interests you, click the link in the description or just head over to lifeafterpornography.com. I'm Dr. Cameron Staley. See you on the inside.